this week on Deep Night. Uh, I always thought this would sort of be like my Letterman story if I ever got to be on the Letterman show. Uh, but uh, this will have to do. <laughs> this, is, this is this is next best. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I am happy to be your dusty comet streaking through the night sky, your golden chalice full of wisdom, your lighthouse in a dense fog, and most of all, your host. Through this hour of regrets and revelations, I welcome you with open arms once again to this place beyond time and space, the interdimensional zone that we call the Deep Night. And we come to you tonight as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. The Gowani, swollen with the recent rains, stirred up the bottom muck, taking on a new oily sheen, just in time for spring. I bought a new raincoat, and it's one of these that never breathes, keeps the water out and the personal water in, so that by the time I arrive anywhere I'm drenched, I might as well be nude exiting a steam room. Oh, how I love steam rooms. I'd like to visit one of those again soon. You know what I really love? The cold plunge. And I happen to be reading up on Native American mysticism. It was an assignment from my wife and gifted healer, Galinda. Her own veins course with almost one-twentieth of one-fourth of Cherokee blood. And I was so intrigued to find that it was not uncommon to set up a steam tent for purification. Uh, uh, reasons. And then uh, what would happen, you'd get out of the steam tent and then immediately jump into a cool river, much like I used to do at a clothing optional facility in Northern California, back in my wild days on the Barbary Coast. I'm talking about the 90s. Friends, sometimes a conversation will do as much for you as any naked plunge into an icy river, and such is the case on this week's episode. I was fortunate to speak with acclaimed actor and now friend, Michael Chernish. You can tell when a performer's going to be a good guy or gal. You just can, and Michael's as grounded and thoughtful as they come, which allows him to go to such wonderful and compelling places as an actor. Now, I wanted to give you some sense of the film and television projects that you may have seen Michael in, and maybe you'll either say, Oh, yes, I remember him finally, or, Oh, my goodness, I'll rent that tonight and I'll watch for him. Some of you may have seen the Orange is the New Black program on the Netflix platform. And boy, if you have, you'll immediately recognize Michael as Cal, the brother to the lead protagonist, Piper Chapman. She gets into some trouble on that show, I'll tell you. She gets into some sticky situations, for sure. And he's the fellow that lives out there in the trailer, you know, living life in such a magnificent way. I envy him, I do. He's also in the new series, Patriot on Amazon, which has earned rave reviews and a second season, so that's terrific. Uh, you get to that second season, boy, oh, then you're off and running. Then you can tell some stories. He's made appearances on Royal Pains, The Big C, Nurse Jackie, Nashville Elementary, Law & Order SVU, and damages all of my faves. He's in the films Mistress America, Complete Unknown, Captain Phillips, Men in Black 3, The Born Legacy, Aloha, People, Places, Things, and Goodbye to All, that he's also taking up the mantle of the tinkerer in the Marvel Comics summer blockbuster Spider-Man Homecoming. He's also on stage and in short films. He's an all-around amazing actor. We talk 
about his trajectory, the way he approaches a role. And he shares some great stories from his work with some of our finest actors and directors. I'll tell you, we also mentioned Space on Rider Farm, a place I have been. It's a fantastic organization which encourages artists to make new work, gives them the space and time to do it, and the resource. If you'd like to check that out, go to spaceonriderfarm.org to learn more by all means. And now, and now, join me as we plunge ever further into that great expanse for a deep night conversation with Michael Chernis. Michael Chernis. Hi, Dale. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm so over the moon excited that you could join me today in the Deep Night Studios. Let's get deep, Dale. <laughs> oh, we're going to do it. Let's go deep. Just you wait. Now, we know each other, but we don't really know each we other. We don't really know each other. That's true. We've kind of circled each other. We've been uh, in the same place. Yes. But we... never had the chance to really talk. No, never. Not, and especially not to go deep. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's so rare one has that opportunity, isn't, isn't it? it? I know. Yes. Well, I'm so excited, as I said, here on a spring, a rainy spring day yes. in Soho, in, Soho. Uh, in New York City. It's great. You know, after living here for so long, I still have this thing that happens to me in New York where I have the places of New York where I have been lost or have had moments form a kind of independent map, divorced completely of reality, yes. of what the actual New and even as many times as I pass by, absolutely, I still have this kind of mind map of here's the place uh, by the statue of Fiorello LaGuardia where uh, my jeans cut into my thighs because I was walking so long on a hot day and the seams had swelled, you know. <laughs> or uh, here I am uh, sleeping beneath the Twin Towers one huh. night, uh, worried about what's going to happen or here's a, a bench, you know, where I had a, a, a dinner that didn't go so well. And yeah. I had a little... A lot of the times they're associated with panic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why The best things is. are, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that's true. New York used to really stress me out. Hmm, interesting. Did that ever happen well, for you? Uh, I don't know if New York has ever stressed me out. Uh, there are moments like any relationship. But, yes. Uh, but Lady Gotham and I uh, tend to have a, a pretty, pretty good vibe, pretty chill vibe. Well, I think you should be fortunate. Consider, Thank you. Consider that a great I, gift. I feel honored that she's welcomed me in. Yes. Uh, yes. Do you ever have memories of being lost in New York? Um, I don't have any specific memories. Um, I moved to New York in 1995, so long before the Google Maps on my iPhone existed. So yes. one had to learn the mean streets on their own. That's right. um, you keep a grid up, up keep, top You keep there. the grid plan locked in the old brain. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I don't have any, any real memories of getting lost. Uh, but uh, metaphysically and spiritually, I get lost in New York all the time. <laughs> yes. If you know what I mean, Dale. I do know what you mean. I have to jump in and say, yes. on my walk over here and my subway, subway ride over here, I was listening to your conversation with uh, one Greg Hildreth. Oh, sure. The great 
the great, great New York treasure. Broadway star. Broadway star. Yes. Um, and in that episode, you mentioned that same statue of LaGuardia. Ah. So I think this must be a favorite <laughs> New York uh, hotspot for you. It, that was such a, a specific time. You know, a lot of these things that I've even brought up today with you two, I'll be honest, I was going to oh, see. Oh, no. It. No, I was Repeats? Go- <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, something new about this, uh, which I have not talked about before, is that many of those things that I brought up just in our conversation, uh, and I don't think with Greg or ever, have been, I have, for a while, would come to New York City to see a different lady. Let's say I met them at a certain point, and I would have all this anticipation about coming to New York. You mm. know, I'd be on a holiday break or something, right. and I'd drive up way before my marriages, and I'd come up, and I'd have a special time, what I thought was going to be a special time with a lady, and then I'd end up having a panic attack at one of, one oh, of these no. places. Oh, no. So perhaps that's also why I stayed away from New York for a little Mm. while, you know. You have Mm. to get used to it. And then I have to be settled in my own self. That's true. Relationship-wise and and others. But you seem to have a good sense of direction when it comes to your career, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. (laughs) I appreciate that. Now, when did you catch the acting bug, Michael? Was it there on the shores of Lake Erie, Mm. skipping stones from the nearby Rocky River, Ohio? You've done your research. (laughs) Uh, it was in in the little hamlet of uh, Rocky River that I first caught the bug. Um, very, very early memories to bore you to go really deep. I um, my mother enrolled me in some sort of community theater for children class when I was very young. I want to say like first grade. I mean it Ooh. was barely a theater class. I mean, it was probably more of a daycare situation. But yeah. for some reason or another, <laughs> the teacher had us do the the three witches from the Scottish play. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know, however old you are in first grade, six, seven, right. over an imaginary cauldron going like, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. <laughs> um, and I remember even then being like, ooh, this is great. <laughs> um, but then I did my first play ever in the eighth grade uh-huh rocky river junior high school's yes production of uh j.r.r tolkien's the hobbit oh, a little wow. stage adaptation of the hobbit <laughs> yes. and i played uh, gandalf the wizard pretty good pretty good for a first go who directed that uh his name was ron newell yes i think his name still is ron yeah. newell. i think he's still with us <laughs> he was quite an accomplished actor i remember he had been in the shawshank redemption which hey, was now. like a big deal and um, and he he had done he directed a lot in local theaters in Cleveland. I was very lucky that he was my first director. He was he was quite skilled. And um, I had always thought this. Let's see if this is funny. Let's see if this material works. Uh, I'd always thought this would sort of be like my Letterman story if I ever got to be on the Letterman show. Uh, but uh, this will have to do. <laughs> this, is, this is this is next best. Um, well, <laughs> so. Uh, in this production of The Hobbit, my first lines were, Ah, the Shire, how delicious the morning is in this part of the world. The air is stuffed with comfort. And um, yes. my father, uh, who is not, um, he was never in the theater. He, um, uh, he he's, a, he's a very smart, fascinating, interesting guy, but uh, 
was not uh, artistic really in any way, I guess came to see the show and was very moved by my performance as a, as a, an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. And um, I think supposedly the lore is that he was moved to tears yeah. and, and that he thought my voice was so impressive and um, booming when I came out on stage. That when, ah, the Shire, it just mo- literally moved the man to tears. <laughs> and um, so throughout my uh, teenage years, in, sometimes he would just say around the house to me, ah, the Shire, ah, the Shire. <laughs> and uh, this was this weird, funny little joke between the two of us. And uh, years later, uh, I bring a girlfriend home. I'm living in New York. I'm now an adult and I bring a, a girlfriend home to meet my family for the like Christmas holiday and I'm like let's pull out the VHS tape of oh, The yes. Hobbit you know yeah. see where it all first started you know Ah the Shire and I put it in and this weird scrawny eighth grader with like a fake white Halloween beard and like a Halloween wizard costume comes out on stage and it's like Ah the Shire how delicious the morning is in this part of the world the air is stuffed with comfort Bill Bob <laughs> I was like, oh, no, there's something wrong with the, the tracking on this VCR. Sound has warped. <laughs> yes. Time is not not served this with oh. chest tape. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess my old man was being nice to me. It wasn't uh, The instrument wasn't as strong then as it is now. Yes. Well, it takes a little while for the voice to, to drop mm, and fully, yes. <laughs> fully own it, doesn't mm, it? Yes, yes. Or other things to drop, but whatever <laughs> happens. Uh, that happened for me in the sixth grade. I had a very the the uh, the uh, I would have been there with the ah uh, oh, the shire. I mean that was what I sounded like in sixth grade, in sixth grade. which was very awkward in its yes, own way. Yes, that can be awkward. You know yeah. how are you, Mrs. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> very, hi, I'm Dale. You know, here's my uh, homework. It was uh, awkward. Oh, I'm so sorry. So everything happens on its own path. But my gosh, it was funny how we remember things right. differently. And that's uh, uh, Rocky River. Up north, uh, as we said, near Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more of a Midwestern vibe than the southern part of Ohio, mm-hmm. which is where I spend a lot of time, uh, down there by the Kentucky. Oh, uh, boy, yeah. you ever go down there? I didn't spend much time in, in southern Ohio. No, they're almost like two different states, They aren't really they? are. They're very different. Very yeah. different very experiences. Different but you go back there often or no? I do, yeah. My parents still live there. They still live in the same house that they bought before I was born. Um I'm turning 40 in August. Oh, Ooh, terrific. Yeah. That's the grave is right age. over there. <laughs> <laughs> grave adjacent. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my parents are still there. I have My grandmother is still with us. Uh, God bless her. And um, she lives in Elyria, Ohio. So, yeah, I go back uh, fairly frequently. Yeah. Uh, are, but are you nervous about 40? You have an opinion about it. Yeah, can you tell it? by the, the <laughs> dark joke I just made? Yes. Yeah, I'm sweating it a little bit, yeah. I think, yeah. I, uh, uh, it's, it's been some time, but when I had that uh, birthday, um, I was uh, a little bit wrecked by it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. And then the day after, I was okay. I was better. Mm. And then a couple of days later, I was fine. I didn't want to do anything for it. Yeah. And I like parties. I like I, celebrating, <laughs> you I've, know. You sure, but I've uh, been to a couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was a that was a tough one for yeah. me as well. Yeah, my wife is sort of threatening to throw some kind of party for me, and yes, uh, I'm hoping I'll be out of town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep that schedule booked. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you were a good student. You enjoyed your 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 classes, your theater. You were doing well. You got Gandalf. I got That's Gandalf. A big deal. That was a big deal. 
Um, was there a lot of competition for that? <laughs> Do you still have a rival that is seething out there? <laughs> there may be a few rivals out there. Um, no, I, uh, I, uh, I was a good student for a time, and then the the theater bug sort of took over. I was like, yeah. I was very much a very good student. I was, um, I had a nickname. I was called the Goody Goody Cruiser. <laughs> Yeah, oh. kids like to pick on old Mikey uh, for a while, but yeah. um, what were you straight edge? Uh, I was not straight edge. I so the the goody goody cruiser that we can just call it the GGC uh, sure. oh, yes. to save some time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in my junior high school, uh, I would um, there was like a rule about no running in the halls between classes, but um, the the bullies had that were fond of dumping people's books so you would like mm -hmm. carry your class books under your arm and they would run up from behind you and dump them mm -hmm. and i was always afraid when the class bell rang and i had to get to my next class that i was going to get my books dumped in the hall by the bullies but um i couldn't run in the halls because i wasn't a rule breaker and so i would just walk very 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 quickly from class to class <laughs> to avoid oh, getting no. my books dumped but then they called me the goody goody cruiser <laughs> we had a kid like that yeah <laughs> probably my cousin <laughs> i want to say his name was uh trey but i'm not sure <laughs> but boy he was a fast walker yeah i never thought about why he was walking so quickly i just <laughs> thought that was a quirk fear <laughs> <laughs> i see now it could have been well uh, we wish him well but what prompts then the decision i guess if you're already on that track i mean you you end up at this little acting school called juilliard mm. that's not as quite a big leap or is it from uh, uh, gandalf to uh juilliard it was a, a huge leap that thankfully i wasn't fully aware of at the time yeah <laughs> that <laughs> helps it helped uh so very briefly, I after the the great turn as Gandalf. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. I assume there were other productions <laughs> after that. <laughs> there were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't bore you with all of them. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to jump so quickly. Sure, but, um, but uh, I started taking classes at a great uh, children's theater school in Cleveland, which is one of the oldest children's theaters um, in the country, and uh, and I started actually studying acting then in high school um on the weekends and and um i did a lot of plays um this is a place called the beck center in lakewood ohio and there was a guy who was a couple years older than me who was a student there and he got into juilliard uh -huh. and um he would come back in the summers and teach uh the summer acting class and mostly we were doing like children's theater like hansel and gretel and alice in wonderland but he would come back in the summers and and he would teach us like Mamet plays and <laughs> Sam Shepard plays and Eugene O'Neill plays. And I was just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And um, he was very handsome and like wore a leather jacket and like smoked cigarettes. And I was just like, I want to be you. You're the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. And he went to Juilliard and he would talk about New York City. And so really it was, to be totally honest, I just wanted to be this guy <laughs> and uh, auditioned and got in and then, and then, didn't know what I was getting myself into. Well, a couple of things about that. Do you still still in touch with this fella? We're not actually. Yeah, no. Yeah. Did you get there, and it turned out he was kind of <laughs> maybe inflating his uh, sense of uh, importance. Uh, I no. He we no. I won't say that, but uh, we we sort of had a falling out a ah, couple years ago, and. Uh, Lovely human being. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we again. Yeah. You know. Hey, good you know, good luck theater. to him. It's a business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, you say you wanted to be him. But what about acting? Do you like? Mm. 
I mean, at that point, I mean, being exposed at such a young age to some of these, uh, I mean, these are these are dense texts you're talking about. If we're the, the Scottish play to yeah. to Tolkien to Mamet, these are not things that are you know, this isn't Bye Bye Birdie we're talking about here. No, um, I uh, I was just really struck by it from the first moment I did it. And uh, it's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding sort of uh, precious or self-important. That's but okay. there was something about, I mean, I sort of joke about that moment even of like my father being moved by uh, <laughs> uh, the Shire. But I think there was something about um, feeling like on some level I was communicating with an audience. Yeah. Like sharing energy, um, sharing space with people and um and that something i was doing was affecting them and um and inhabiting stories i was a, a voracious reader as a kid and 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 lived in my imagination a lot and so being able to fully uh inhabit my imagination was right. like crack cocaine i mean it was just so <laughs> thrilling and then to be totally honest another part of it very early on was just the attention aspect of it um, and also the community. I was, as I said, sort of like a goofy, geeky, nerdy kid, and I was picked on in my in Rocky River schools, but when I went to my theater classes and my children's theater school, there were a bunch of other nerdy kids like me from all over the greater Cleveland area, right. and we knew all the words to the songs from Les Mis and Phantom, and uh, nobody was going <laughs> to dump my books there, and, uh, you know, and I felt like I found my tribe or my people, you know, um, it's so important yeah. in any artistic path, and really, I think any path, to just find that group yeah. uh, that uh, you, you're not afraid, mm. <laughs> you know, to, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And the, you can't discount getting a reaction from your father. Yeah. That's a <laughs> That's big true. deal. It's huge. And if it's not somebody that it has a maybe artistic, outwardly artistic um, um, kind of nature, yeah. to get a little rise out of them, no matter how off the memory was, right? to connect, that's that's a big part of growing up as a oh, young man. Yeah. Tell me about it. <clears throat> Maybe uh, in our generation especially, but uh, there's something to it. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, yeah. You get a laugh? Oh, oh that's boy. gold. Getting a laugh. There's really oh, nothing like it. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. And again, thing. It's, it may be some kind of safety to it. There's yeah. some kind of harbor to that. Absolutely. Well, um, and so at what point you, you go through the Juilliard program, which I don't have a real sense of, but mm -hmm. I assume it's... Uh, like a more intense version of fame, this, uh, the movie. Uh, <laughs> right. Maybe less dancing in the cafeteria, but uh, it's Close, kind of that yeah, vibe. Probably. <clears throat> because there's, I mean, that's everybody from all the best of all those schools, of all the places, that you, all these little tribes yeah. <laughs> across yeah. the country. and But competitive. It is, and it was especially then, it was. I, I was there from 1995 to 1999, and I think it's, um, from what I hear, it's a very different place now, and the... The, the late, great Jim Houghton, who we sadly lost uh, recently, um, who took over the school after I, long, long after I'd graduated, I think brought a much more um, sort of nurturing uh, energy to the place. Uh, I learned a ton when I was there, but it was competitive. And yeah. it was sort of um, sadly kind of darkly competitive. I, I feel like there was an aspect of, um, well, we're going to toughen you up for the real world. But... <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Was that just the last throes of what was happening in maybe the 70s and 80s? Yeah. Was there still this idea that you really had to? Uh, I mean, of course, there weren't the outlets that there are now. Right. Uh, but I, they had the same kind of thing uh, when I was going to school that you, you had to uh, you know, have a, a, a backbone and have a yeah. real uh, yes. ability to make something of it. And this was not necessarily the thing that was going to get you there. No, yeah. We had a great uh, voice teacher who. Um, was a great voice teacher, but he would say like, "Speak from your balls, yeah. man! Speak from your balls!" Right. <laughs> We're just like, oh, oh, ow! Right. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> but there's something too, and and it seems like now it's, and I'm not opposed to it being more nurturing. By all means, sure. Mm-hmm. I also think that some of that, uh, you got to be tough to survive stuff was good. Yeah, and it, I've drawn on it immensely. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. 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 There's hard work that's involved. Hey, there is. You it's know, not easy. No. No. I, I'm realizing it more and more yeah. <laughs> how much work there's involved. But um, was there a point where you say, I am an actor? Huh. Uh, it's it's always uh, an evolving process. Um, I, I think early on... Um, like when I was in high school, there were definite moments where I was like, I am an actor. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, not to beat up on Juilliard, but I think there was a time at Juilliard where I lost that, where I was like, I don't know that I'm an actor. Or, um, And they, they, they really, part of the training was this kind of sort of like break you down and then build you back up right. kind of mentality. And so I think I was sort of stripped of um, that spark that... Um, made me love it for a while. And mm-hmm. then when I got out of school, I had to sort of rediscover it. And there were like some dark years of not really working much. And um, and then I had to learn to kind of like find my own way in the business and in the community. And um, I think I did a play years ago in Washington, D.C. that my dear friend Lee Silverman directed um, called Jump Cut by Nina Bieber. And um, it it's an extraordinary play and an extraordinary role I got to, to do. And it was one of the first real jobs I had out of school. And, um, I remember doing that play and being like, Oh wow. Yeah. I remember why I love this. And, and I'm an actor. Like, right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Um, yeah, there are days still where I wake up and I'm like, Ooh. sure. But you got to relax a little bit into it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've noticed and uh, watching some of your work. I have by no means seen all of it, but, uh, of course, uh, people will be familiar. Uh, you're familiar to people, whether they know exactly your name mm-hmm. or not, because you're in so many great things, uh, Captain Phillips and the uh, Men in Black 3 and uh, all these sorts of things. But one of the things that I noticed in some of the other work, some of the maybe mm, more independent pieces or mm-hmm. quieter pieces, but also with Men in Black and that, is that you have an ability, and I had never thought about this before, but not only to be a kind of believable character mm-hmm. and a reliable presence, but also to be part of the world of the film oh, wow. that makes it, uh, that anchors you, that gives you something to hold on to as a viewer hmm. and uh, helps the believability of whatever else is happening. Wow, thank you. That is, uh, that is an incredible compliment. That, uh, sure, it's incredible uh, work, what you're well, doing. Oh, well, thank you. That is super kind. Um, uh, I, I can't say that I know consciously that I'm doing that, but, uh, 
the one thought that came to mind when you were saying that uh, was just that I love I love writers so much. I have such a deep respect for writing um, that I think when I read a script, uh, the the world that that author is trying to create is is really important to me. And it's I think part of my work as an actor is to what you said is just sort of to believe in that world and to create it in my imagination as vividly as possibly and specifically as possibly so that if it is something even as as out there as Men in Black 3 where I'm like on top of the Chrysler building with Will Smith and I have to help him go back in time it's like okay well it's my job to believe that yes make that very real yes And you yeah. did it. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was so impressed with. with the, oh. Here's this, you know, uh, whatever you would time, uh, pawn yeah. shop kind of a guy, whatever. <laughs> right. uh, but it was absolutely believable that oh. that was happening. And it, it ties back to what you said, I think, of why you enjoyed, first of all, you're uh, uh, always an avid reader. You always wanted mm. to disappear into that world. But yeah. the fact that you're able to read that world so closely and so uh, well um, and then to put it into your performance. It's just as what little acting I've done. I've never thought about that. You know, I start with the words, and then I try to get the words, and maybe I'll start with a voice or a way that I stand or something. Sure. But but to really think about what what's that character's place in that universe and what does that universe feel and look like. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever gone quite that deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really impressive. Oh, thanks. You know, I think it's it's a. I had a teacher who said it's all about serving the story. So, yeah. like, you know, you're you're just a part of this. You gotta serve that story, and you gotta find your place in the spine of the story and the arc of the story, and see how that how you're serving the the movement of that story. And yes. so, um, yeah, I try as much as I can to not make it about me, but like, how do I fit into this world? Yes, yeah. that's a great thing. Not everybody does it. No. They come in and be the star kind of thing. Yeah. And you've worked with some great people. Yeah. David Hyde Pierce and yeah. uh, Michael Shannon. Yeah. Who uh, I is in my neighborhood. I see him often. Oh, cool. We watch Zootopia together. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's awkward. fun. Yeah, was, it was it awkward? Fun. No, fun. Let's go with fun. I bet it was both. <laughs> I know Mike and I love Mike, but that He's could have been both. an yeah. impressive figure. He is an impressive figure. Yes. He can be an intimidating figure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, sometimes at the yeah. sandwich shop, I, I give bet. him a little space. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. I place my order, he doesn't suffer a fool. No, and uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Yes, I mean he's another one that he's getting close to where you are. I think in terms of being able to reliably sell the 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 world. <laughs> oh. Stop. <laughs> I love Tom Hanks. He's how can you not love how him? How can you not love Tom Hanks? He's uh, he's really the greatest. Uh, uh, genuine what a, is what comes to mind. Genuine, the kindest man in the world. Um, very quick Tom Hanks story. Absolutely. You know, we spent a lot of time together out at sea on this ship. We shot uh, the portion of the film that I'm in in Malta, and we would take an actual um, container ship out into the Mediterranean every day. And so you're out at sea for like 14 hours. It's not one of these things where like, oh, I'm the first scene up of the day, but then I'm going to I'm going to wrap and I'm going to go home. No, they're not sending like a tugboat out to like bring you back to your hotel. This is you're, for Captain Phillips. Yeah, this is and for you're, Captain you're Phillips. Out there. Yeah. I couldn't do it, but go ahead. So, but so we have a lot of downtime. We're on set together. And um, 
he would just ask me so many questions about myself. To be honest, I don't know anything about Tom Hanks, but I feel like he knows everything about me. Like he heard the uh, the Shire story. I mean, he knows. Uh, and he would be like, "So you went to Juilliard? Tell me what what was that like? How many people got in?" And I'd be like, "Oh, you know, how many people audition? Uh, a couple thousand. How many people get in? Like twenty five. And he's like, "Oh my God, you beat the odds." <laughs> I was like, you're Tom Hanks. You won back-to-back Oscars. You beat the odds. I got into college. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But I had met Tom uh, when I was in high school. So my best friend in high school is this guy, Colin Moeller, and we went to that children's theater school at the Beck Center together, and his mother was the company manager at Great Lakes Theater Festival in Cleveland. And um, Tom had gotten his first acting job doing uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona at Great Lakes uh, Theater Festival years and years prior. Wow. And he had come back to Cleveland, this was in the mid-90s, um, to do like a one-night benefit concert show. Like uh, he did some stand-up and uh, bits and uh, to raise money for the theater. And because Colin's mom worked at the theater, we got to go to the show and then we got jobs working the after party. We were like bus boys yes. at the And we were like busing people's tables and drinks. And um, our first job of the night was to stand. I was a freezing cold, snowy Cleveland night. And we had to stand in the parking lot in the space that was going to be reserved for Tom's car. And it was like right at the entrance to this restaurant. And so we're standing out in the freezing cold, shivering. We're just like, when's Tom Hanks coming? When's And he, this car pulls up and he gets out. And he had just done Philadelphia things. So he's real thin. Oh, yeah. And he sees us and he goes, Hey, how's it going, cats? <laughs> and thanks for saving my spot. And he like went into the party. And I, on Captain Phillips, the first day of work, I got to tell that story to him. I was like, we've met once before. All right. <laughs> you may remember me. You may remember me. As the young cat holding your spot. Did he, was, he had any relac- uh, recollection? No of that? recollection. No. And he was like, did no. I really say cat? And I was like, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Although, as we know from the Shire story, memory can be a slippery thing. True, true. He may yeah. not have said cat. Mm. He may have said, stop looking at me. <laughs> uh, no, I like cat. I th- it, it, that's believable to me. Uh, and you had a good time with him, obviously. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't do the ship. Was it a lot of, you have to have bands? What, you, couldn't, you couldn't do any of that stuff. It. Um. I grew up uh, not on giant container ships. My, my parents are big Fisher, fisher people, fishermen, and we grew up um, going out every weekend onto on, on a boat on Lake Erie oh, fishing. Oh, so you, you have it in you. So I, yeah, I don't really get seasick or boat sickness, but um, those container ships are so huge that you don't really feel um, the water in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that uh, interesting, too, how people just come through our lives mm. and keep coming back? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me always— because that has happened to me so many times where you just have that chance encounter and then years later here they are uh, again yeah. and then it's serving in a different way and your interaction will contribute to them in a different way. It's a, yeah. uh, I love it. Right on. Oh, this I is love the deep it. night. That's, that's where we get. A, <laughs> just dropped a level. But now one of the people you've also worked with is uh, Susie Porfar. Oh, yeah. Who uh, you've done a couple of shows with I her uh, actor here in yeah. New York. And uh, she, you you won an Obie. I did. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. That was In the Wake. 
Yes. Yeah. And uh, Poofy was in that. Yes. <laughs> that was Lisa Crohn's play. Yes. Oh, that's terrific. I enjoy her as well. But uh, Susie uh, directed, co-directed uh, a production, fittingly enough to what we're talking about right now, uh, of Six Degrees of Separation wow. that I was in. Wow. A very early production for me that kind of locked me into the acting uh, thing. And I played Flan. Oh. And I love that part yeah. so much. Wow, that's amazing. Susie, Susie directed it. Yes. Wow. As how a student, she, as a student. Sure, but how sure. is she as a student director? Wonderful. It I was can a imagine really that she was. And yeah. so many connections came from that production mm, itself. Yeah. And that's sometimes how it happens. You just pull like that uh, uh, production of, um, uh, oh, what is it? Godspell up in uh, uh, Toronto that had like Gilda Radner mm -hmm, and Eugene right. Levy and everybody, Martin Short. Yeah. Like sometimes things just coalesce like that. And then those are the people that you, you see and you work with forever and ever and ever. Yeah, and you've worked true. with Susie on a number of things, I gather. We have, yeah. We first met at the O'Neill Playwrights Conference, geez, years ago in the early 2000s, um, 2002 maybe. And she's been a dear friend ever since. Yeah, and she's a great actress. Well, I hadn't seen her in, I don't know, 20 years or something. Oh. And then I was up there at the uh, Space and Rider Farm. Oh. And then I'm sitting there in the front row, and they're doing a reading, and it's Susie. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Now, we should explain that space is a place that your wife uh, is in charge of, yeah. right? She's the ED, she executive the ED. director yeah. of this place. It is a property that's upstate. Ish, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, north of the city, and it's a place for for what to happen for for theater artists to come, to come and uh, develop work and um, to write and just to sort of have time and space to away from the city and their hectic lives to uh, to create. And um, so, yeah, in a, in a nutshell, Space on Rider Farm is a nonprofit artist residency retreat program. That's housed on the beautiful grounds of Ryder Farm, which is a 130-acre working organic farm, um, one of the first certified organic farms in New York State, one of the first farms to be at the Union Square Green Market here in New York City back when it started. It's located in Brewster, New York, which is about an hour and a half north of the city. And the farm has been in my wife Emily's sort of extended family since 1795. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Emily started her organization about eight years ago, and they've now supported over a thousand artists. Um, this is the seventh official season this year, and uh, we can have we can house about fifteen people a week. Um, residencies are anywhere from one to five weeks, and like I was saying, a residency really means just sort of um, time and space and and whatever level of support you need as an artist. So if you're a playwright and you say, well, I'd love to have a dramaturg to help me think through this, and uh, we can sort of supply you with that. We can bring a company of actors up to do a reading. Or if you're like, I really just need a week of peace and quiet to start this play, um, you can do that too. People right. apply with projects or ideas, and then when they get accepted, um, it's really their rodeo once they get up there. And uh, you're saying we a lot because you're very involved in the place too. I have become very involved with it. Um, I'm I have sort of a non-official position, yes. but uh, <laughs> we joke that I'm the first lady of space. Yeah. I'm, I'm Michelle to Emily's Barack. Uh, you know? But uh, I, and I like to think of myself as an ambassador of the place. I just try to spread the gospel whenever I can. Yes. Um, but we met up there uh, in 2013 because I went to work on 
play by a dear dear friend of mine Max Posner who was in residence and the end of his residency was a reading in the barn same barn where I'm assuming you saw Susie do a reading yes yeah and um uh prior to my coming up to the farm to do the reading Max was up there and he was like writing me emails like oh my god this place is incredible you're gonna love it it's totally right up your alley it's this groovy organic farm also, the lady who runs this place is single, <laughs> and she's awesome. And unbeknownst to me, he was doing the same thing to Emily, being like, my buddy Chernus is coming up to do my reading, great guy, single. And um, the f- she said to him, okay, cool, I'll, st- I'll stay open to it, but just don't be weird when he shows up. <laughs> right. I show up on the farm, Max comes out of this centuries-old farmhouse, and he's like, Michael, welcome to your kingdom. <laughs> we go on a tour and there was this field of sheep and he was like calling out to the sheep. He was like, look, Papa, it's Papa has returned. He's here. <laughs> so he was immediately super yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, way, way to go. Right. But two years later, he married us in the backyard of that farmhouse. That's he, amazing. Yeah, he yeah. got ordained online and he was our our shaman rabbi priest and yeah. That's terrific. Well, I think uh, careful listeners of this program will also recognize Max as the person who I believe, if I'm not getting this uh, mixed up, uh, came into the episode with John Early oh, and sure. uh, made eggs in the middle of our interview. Amazing. So uh, if people want to go back and listen for that to happen. That's exactly who that is. I haven't heard that episode, but I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> yes. Ah, so he's a kind of invisible force out there. He is. Uh, with, with this show. But that uh, place is also doing what we're talking about, creating, cultivating an a, uh, opportunity for these connections to happen. Absolutely. And for uh, relationships to develop, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not everybody gets married by going up there, but some do. Yeah. And <laughs> a few have. <laughs> it's a terrific thing. Well, um, one of the things I was also watching recently, Goodbye to All That. Oh, Is wow. that the, the, the movie? Yeah. Um, and you play a kind of uh, best friendish yeah. character in mm-hmm. that one. You, and I recognized a couple things in that. There's several shots there where I thought we're on uh, Space at Rider Farm. It could have been, yeah. <laughs> that looked very similar. And two, it's an affecting little uh, movie. Yeah. Not little, it's an affecting movie. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, it, it does exactly what it sets out to do, yeah. I think. And uh, you comfortable with it? First of all, I thought your character had died in the beginning. I thought, oh, yeah, my right? gosh, yeah. where's he going to? Then he'd come <laughs> back on the phone, thank goodness. Um, but I noticed with that one, also people, places, things, mm-hmm. uh, you are, and uh, maybe some other ones too, but you come in as a kind of catalyst to or um, uh, a comfort to people who are in crisis. Hmm. Maybe that has to do with you being part of the world again. Hmm. But uh, you're kind of a, uh, I don't know, a confidant. To, to the fellow who is going through a difficult time and, yeah. and goodbye to all that. Um, uh, Mistress America, I think there's a little bit of that too. Um, are you comfortable in that uh, that best friend role? And uh, do you see yourself uh, being deployed in that way to kind of uh, uh, maybe hold the ball and then move it forward a little bit? That, that's a really interesting way of... Uh talking about that and I'd never thought of it that specifically and I'm, I'm very moved by that description I hadn't quite thought of it that specifically I you know I was listening to your episode with Greg on my way over and you had brought this up and Greg and I play similar type characters mm. um, uh, I sort of bristle at that word type sometimes but um, you know for lack of a better word the f- the friend to the protagonist the best friend the sidekick the Right, um, Greg and but, I talked a lot about sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. 
and but yeah this idea of like sort of being a, a confidant or a, a catalyst or a, a you know a shoulder to cry on or someone who like i i i like that i think um i, I had an, an an ex of mine used to call me the alpha male whisperer <laughs> she was like you're you're like this amazing um partner to all these sort of like sort of grouchy grumpy hard to know sort of tough guys like i have a lot of male friends who are like kind of just just that like very alpha and sort of like but i'm the one guy that they're like just love and hug with them a lot right. and you know like i somehow like soften these sort of like sort of like gnarly uh you know sort of uh, grouchy men sometimes right. and they want so, you on the boat yeah they want yeah. me on the boat yeah. um so i never quite thought of it that way but yeah i think i do play characters who um who yeah are maybe some kind of like uh in some sly way as some spiritual advisor to someone in 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 crisis yeah it's and that's that's a good role to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was uh, thinking of the, of course, in people, places, things. You're kind of. I mean, that's a catalyst. You you play. That's the, true. That's more of a. a I'm not a, really a confidant. No, no, no or no, a best you're, friend. I'm, you're, uh, you're right. You're the reason that they split up there, yeah, basically, true. if they're ever to get. They, were they married in that? They were never married, uh, which was part of the complication of their relationship. They had children together. They weren't married. And then the character that Jermaine Clement plays catches me and his wife at their child's birthday party right. in sort of like a park slopey kind of environment in Brooklyn Yes, in their brownstone. Like all the kids are eating cake in the backyard and I'm shut and his wife upstairs. Oh, gay. Not his wife. His, yeah. his <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you comfortable doing the sex scenes? I'm getting more comfortable with it. It's definitely an awkward thing. Yeah. Um, I, I work on this Netflix anthology show by Joe Swanberg called Easy, and there's like a lot of sex scenes on that show, and so I've had to be pushed uh, to be more comfortable. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. I don't know. I'm a little prudish. I had mm. to watch that uh, uh, Goodbye to All That, you know, with the sound down. Oh, yeah, The way you sure. used to watch Cinemax at your neighbor's house, <laughs> you know, in yeah. the basement. I don't know. As I get older, <clears throat> it seems... Uh, I don't like. Do you need to see the breasts at that point? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if you do or not. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I get more protective, maybe, of the people. Yes, that for sure. <laughs> I'm like, um, oh no, that we didn't need to do that. No, and that happens a lot. Where it's, I, I feel for the actress involved often. Where it's like you didn't, and people don't always have sex with their clothes off. Like. No, I Often prefer they full don't. body yeah, I shoot. prefer a full <laughs> snowmobile snoot. I don't swim in just trunks. <laughs> Put a shirt on. <laughs> Love swimming with a shirt on. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Chubby kid <laughs> yep. swims with shirts on. I know the feeling. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, from that, you, you also were involved in some little controversies. Is it okay to talk about that? Are there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. But I you were, like you were in a movie clean. that maybe grabbed some headlines for this. The Aloha film? Oh, yeah. Because what was going on there? Emma Stone was playing an Asian woman. Emma Stone is not Asian. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like the controversy of that overtook that movie completely? Oh, man. I. Uh, it's it's tricky. I think a lot of, th I really loved that movie and I love Cameron Crowe who made it so much. Um, I, I think there was a lot of unfortunate stuff that happened around the release of that movie. I, but to be fair, 
I, I understand uh, why people were upset. Uh, sure, yeah. You know, I think... Um, I feel like we're evolving every day in this country, but I think we've got a lot of catching up to do about our um, relationship to race and diversity and our understanding of uh, all of where all where we're all coming from. And uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, especially for the Hawaiian people, I understand why that was upsetting. Yeah, um, you know, I. I don't fault Emma in any way. I don't fault anyone specifically, but I, I do understand why that uh, was maybe a misstep. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully things get improved. I mean, yeah, that the sensitivity at least is raised, and as we're more aware, as I just hope we're more aware going forward all around. But that's, yeah, and I've often seen you coming from marches or on your way to marches, so that's I know true. you're out there and engaged uh, with what's going on. You have <laughs> another film this. Um, uh, most hated woman in America. Yeah, that's about uh, the atheist. Yeah, uh, who who did what? She led the um, the charge against uh, getting prayer out of school. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Madeline Murray O'Hare, who um, I sadly didn't know anything about until I, I did that movie. But she started an organization called American Atheists, which still exists today, and she was part of the Supreme Court case that. Uh, effectively effectively got prayer banned from public schools and um she was a very very controversial figure and a very public figure she was donahue's first guest she famously debated this preacher reverend harrington who was the preacher of bourbon street he would convert the drunks and whores of bourbon street no easy task yeah exactly (laughs) and so they would publicly tour the country debating jesus versus no jesus and um uh, and so people really, really despised her. But then um, fast forward to 1995, she and her son, who I played, and her granddaughter, who Juno Temple plays in the film, went missing from their home in Austin, Texas. And then it was later discovered, years later, that they had been abducted, held for ransom, and then brutally murdered and dismembered and buried in the desert. Oh, my. Yeah, so the movie's part biopic about Madeline's life and her cause, and then part like true crime uh, about this murder. That's terrible. Yeah, well, we don't wish that on anybody. No, we don't. But uh, uh, and is that out now? That came out. It is. It's uh, available for streaming on Netflix. Okay. Right now. Well, speaking of streaming. Yeah. And as I get older, streaming is a problem. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you've got this other Patriot Patriot show. Yeah, that's Patriot. On Hulu. Amazon. It's an Amazon Excuse show. Yeah, Amazon. No worries. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's you play a kind of um, dim-witted fellow. He, um, at first glance, he's maybe dim-witted, but I think he's actually uh, very, very bright. Um, always and, something more to it. Always isn't something there? more. Yeah, I'm super proud of that show. Patriot is uh, is fantastic, and um, uh, it's from the amazingly smart, weird, funny, crazy mind of steve conrad who's a brilliant writer um but this is his first foray into television he's, he's done a lot of films um yeah i just am crazy about that show and it's a it's a kind of a spy deal yeah i mean it on at first glance it's a it's a spy show um my the main character uh is a undercover intelligence operative um I'm his brother. I'm a sort of uh, unconventional U.S. congressman yes. who's filled his father's former congressional seat probably through pure nepotism. And yes. uh, 
our father is the director of intelligence for the U.S. Department of State. Um, and uh, so there is this very sort of uh, Jason Bourne sort of element at first. But then underneath it is this very funny, quirky, weird, sweet, sad story. I, I, I've been saying um, it's like if the Coen brothers made a, a Bourne movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> With like Wes Anderson's production team. It's, it's also beautifully shot. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really interesting, unique show. Well, I go, I'll get it, yeah, and you got a second it. season. We got a second so season. So congratulations on that. And, uh, you know, we talk about these big issues and these things that are going on, and um, uh, I, I feel some of these things so deeply. Mm. I, I remember, uh, did you ever see Little Man Tate? You know that movie? You know, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I do know well, of it. But it's I... about a very empathic kid that just yeah. felt things too too much, oh, you know. Wow. Jodie Foster plays the mom, I think. And that little kid, I always related to that kid. Huh. I remember in 86 or something uh, having to read the school announcements about the Reagan doing the airstrikes over Libya. Yeah. I mean, that trying to understand what was going on there. Right. And, you you know, you talk about political engagement and that, and I don't know how much more that I can add to the already uh, you know, mountainous mm. pile of outrage that's out there. So I don't say as much as... Um, maybe others do or that I'd like because what's rage? Um, the rage sponge is full, you know. It is. Um, but uh, I feel that now and as things shift and we talk about North Korea, this uh, I have that same sense of fear that I had as the, as a boy. Mm. I mean, it kind of went away and now it's come back again. Yeah. You were in the thing about the Manhattan Project, yeah. right, about the development of the nuclear bomb. Does doing these things, um, does it reinforce fear for you does it just contribute knowledge are you happy to have that knowledge that's a really good question um you know when researching the manhattan project the thing that i feel like i learned or relearned is that um uh, that that our our governments uh our government and, and many governments around the world will they misuse um the best parts of us sometimes that the, the world's greatest scientists all gathered and uh i think there was a there was a great abuse of power there i think you know many of these scientists wanted to build this weapon so that it would never be used i mean that maybe sounds a little naive now but like you know in in showing that this 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 huge um, device of death and destruction uh, could be created, that just the threat of it would sort of be enough to sort of bring world peace right. forever. And uh, many of them were very opposed to it ever actually being used on human beings. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, that's not a very articulate answer, but I I do think rage aside, like the thing that, that um, acting has taught me more than anything and not any specific project but it's just uh empathy is you know just strengthening that empathy muscle inside of me and being able to live inside of different people's stories different character stories i feel like I've, i have a greater capacity for understanding for what other people might be going through and it's and it's um it's really truly the great gift of being an actor is is being able to stand in somebody else's shoes and um I really worry that we're more and more losing that um, as we become more and more self-obsessed and, and distracted by our devices that we're not able to um, 
really um, to have empathy for each other. And yeah. Well, maybe I should take a lesson from that too, and not run from all my little man Tate feelings, mm. and 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 consider that, especially on an individual basis. Mm. I don't need to take in all the ills of the world, right. but certainly what this show has uh, brought to me is a lot of great conversations mm. where I get to expand my understanding yeah. of, of what's going on. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that too. Right on. And I know that we've talked a long time here, Michael, but I'm enjoying it so much. I am as well. And, and I know you have this other big show coming up with the Spider-Man. Ah, uh, uh, Spiderman. Spiderman. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, homecoming. Uh, I know we can't say too much about uh-huh. it. I assume that there's uh, just has Peter Parker um, at some kind of uh, homecoming event where they might have to fight dance. Uh, everyone. <laughs> it's but, one long dance movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's why I'm in it. Uh, and I think part of the idea of bringing him back to uh, high school is so you can maybe connect with him in a similar fashion. I don't know. Maybe there's not a lot we have to put on to Spider-Man to, <laughs> to carry us through the day. But you play one of the villains. And uh, I don't know if you're part of the Sinister Six or not. You're the tinkerer. Do you get to hang out with all the other villains? Michael Keaton is in this. Michael Some Keaton is in it. And, Do you uh, get a lair? Do you go to a lair? Uh, I mean, after the shooting and that kind of thing, you don't have to talk about Oh, after movie. work, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just did, do we have a did, personal just, actor's Did the lair? villains get together? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton and I have a, a man cave yeah. that we built. Um, <laughs> sort of a speakeasy that we like to go to. It's yep. called Mike and Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I feel like I, I was definitely not allowed to say anything. I feel like I can say a few little things because I – Keaton has said them in interviews. Um, yeah, I play sort of like uh, a henchman sort of sidekick to his character. Um, the Tinkerer, historically, uh, kind of a scientist and mm-hmm. engineer. And I don't know that much about him, but I'm going to assume he makes little things that look like other little things that end up being bombs. <laughs> yeah, he makes little <laughs> animal figurines that then blow yeah, up. They skitter across <laughs> something. And then, oh, watch this little boom. boom. There you go. That's it. But that's he supplied all. weapons and things to a lot of the villains. As that's I true. It. And that's sort of a, a, a role I will be playing in this film as well. In, Not in the, unlike the Manhattan Project oh, scientists. Look at that tie in. Mm. Uh, wrapping it all up in a nice bow. <laughs> um, yeah, in the comic books, he's, um, he's more traditionally presented as like a old scientist kind of guy. He's yeah. like small and bald and has glasses and. Uh, obviously, I don't. I won't look like him. It's sort of more of a updated tech kind of guy. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really excited. It's really fun. And uh, Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man in in this new version, is so fantastic. And I think it's. Um, yeah, and I think it's really great that it's starting back in high school and that he's part of now this Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm really loved working with Marvel, and I'm so interested in what they're doing. And um, and John Watts, who's directing it, I think is bringing a very unique point of view to it. I think it's going to be really, really cool. That's terrific. Well, I have high hopes for it. I hope you end up uh, maybe jumping over to the TV part of it, too, and spending some time with Rosario Dawson, mm. who, of course, is the backbone of the Marvel Universe, if you look closely, mm. uh, <laughs> which I think is a brilliant stroke on their part. Um, but I'd like to see the Tinkerer mix hey. it up, maybe yeah. with Stiltman or something. Do you have a favorite comic book villain? Um that is a great question. Um, I always loved Dr. Octopus. Sure. Kid. Yeah. Um, he was my, always scary. He was always scary. Weird haircut. Weird haircut. Yeah. Totally weird bowl haircut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Weird glasses. What's weird Mo doing there? Yeah. 
was the deranged Mo. That's a strange one. Yeah. It's a strange character. I think Dark, that's a solid Dark answer. Uh, well, it's it's terrific. And that is coming out, what, July? July 7th, July I think. July 7th. I believe. Is Logan Marshall Green in that picture, too? He is in that picture, yeah. Not his mother taught me theater. Oh, wow. Isn't that strange? Isn't that something? I remember him as a kid. Wow. All these points of connection. Oh, it's all coming together small, small for world. us, it Michael. Really um, and uh, we've talked about that. How, the, how you, you get into that, too, right? I mean, you're a grounded individual. You're the guy people want in the boat. But you also believe in this mystical forces that surround us that all bring us into each oh. other's orbit at the right time? Now you're talking my language. Okay. Now this is now we just <laughs> oh, we'll get, extra deep. All right. Don't try to wrap this up. No, we'll we're gonna, go this get is our aura picture and a half, taken uh, together. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's my stuff. Really? My oh yeah. Well, I'm sorry we talked so much about this acting nonsense. Know, we should have gotten too. into we the real crystal into, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, do you have a setup at home? I, oh yeah, I've got a whole, you know, I've got my whole altar going. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> You have special robes, as I do. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Every shaman's got a robe, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, uh, we'll have to have you back on the program, yeah, we'll and we can talk, special, or we can just do some private uh, sessions together. ceremony uh, together. Yes. Uh, just... Do you have some rituals, though, do you? Yeah, of course. Oh, I like to hear that. All right. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, just next you know, off the air sure. or next time. Uh, and people can support the space on Rider Farm, too. They can. Uh, please uh, support in any way that you can. It's uh, the 501c3 nonprofit, uh, spaceonriderfarm.org. Um, and they have a, a number of public events in the summer, so come check us it's out. It's a wonderful place, and I do encourage everybody to, to go up there. And will we see you on the stage sometime soon, too? Um, I do believe I'm going to do a play this summer. Um, it hasn't been announced yet, but uh, my friend Josh Radner wrote a play um, that's going to be at New York Stage and Film at their Powerhouse Theater in Poughkeepsie on the Vassar campus. Um, oh, well. Yeah. I will make the journey. Yeah, come on up. That sounds Metro terrific. North. Good. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank it's you, been a delight. Dale. It's uh, been a total delight. Continued success in everything. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you again. Appreciate it. Oh, now, I'm such a fan. What a fella. I'm so happy that Michael could join us. And do seek out his work. It's really affecting his performances, as I said. Just truly something to watch. As for me, I'm going to be doing a guest spot on Running Late with Scott Rogowski at the Slipper Room Monday, May 1st, joining a lineup that includes Sal Volcano from the Impractical Jokers program, Tom Sharpling from The Best Show, and look at this, Mr. Dick Cabot. So I'll probably have to teach old Dick a few things about uh, talk shows, you know, that kind of, you know, share some knowledge for the younger generation. So I'm looking forward to that. Then on May 10th, I'm going to be back at the Slipper Room with a wonderful comedian, Maeve Higgins, host of Maeve in America, Jason Zinneman, and Ike Ufamadu. And we're going to be talking about the legacy of late night. Jason is the comedy critic at the New York Times and has written a book called Letterman, The Last Giant of Late Night. The book is fantastic. I've learned so much about David Letterman, about how that show came to be, about his relationship with Meryl Marco and uh, her influence on so many of, of the of comedies that we now just kind of accept out there in the cultural landscape. Truly a, a, a great book. So that's May 10th, Slipper Room. $10 and $12 will get you in at 8 p.m. Info is up at DaleRadio.com or on the Slipper Room's 
website. As we prepare for that show, we're going to be releasing a new image soon, a new poster image that was created by Candace Broersma, and uh, it's a knockout. She did a terrific job. And uh, but, but prior to that, we had some posters made by James Boyle, and uh, he basically the ones of kind of me floating, you know, with the pigeons around me. That's that's his work, and that was from about the Sketchfest show on, I guess. So uh, just great artists all around. I love supporting them, and they do such beautiful work. That's all for now. But remember, although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is written and performed by James Bewley with production assistance from Harvest Works in New York City. Music throughout each episode is provided by the amazing talents on the artistic roster of Howler Hills Farm in the great state of Ohio. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard, Season 9 podcast icon and logo designed by Samantha Mash. Download episodes directly through DaleRadio.com or subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or Instagram at Dale Seaver for behind-the-scenes peeks into the production of the show and the life of Dale Seaver. Thank you to all the subscribers and supporters of this program, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>